Reeds and woodwinds. Laugh in the face of society's outdated sexual mores. Pursue the passion of your wooden loins. And I don't care if she's a cold-hearted robot. I love her, and you can't stop me. Because it's time to talk tall to me. You know, they they called me old old wooden loins McGill in high school. They sure did. (laughs) Many a lass has had a splinter. Because I had a sliver. (laughs) I am programmed to love. I don't know what love is, but I do it anyway. Welcome back. I am Omen Say. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moans. And this is Talk Tall to Me. A forbidden romance in the underground love clubs of prog rock, in which wrong side of the tracks Nick and the boy your mama warned you about, Omen, will relentlessly pursue every single track that coquettish prog rock band Jethro Tull ever produced. We will stand outside Jeffrey Hammond Hammond's window in the rain with a cassette tape blaster above our heads. We will see a whole new world as Dee Palmer takes us on a magic carpet ride. And our love affair with Martin Barr will end badly in the Capulet's crypt, all because Friar Anderson didn't deliver a message in time. That's the last time I trust him to deliver anything. He's terrible. He's late. He gets distracted very easily. He does. So hi Nick. Hello Omen. Hello. This is this marks the first episode recorded after you survived your race. Yes, my I'm back from Vermont and the Spartan Beast Half Marathon. Mm-hmm. And you can actually see and or hear. Oh, this is my medal. It's it. It's just two spoons, everybody. It's just he's just clinking <laughs> two spoons together. Don't believe it. Yeah, I'm. I'm increasingly of the opinion that I might have slightly broken some of my toes, but other than that, I feel uh, great, except exhausted. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fairly accurate. So, Nick, before we dive into today's exciting triple feature oh my gosh, of tall yes. pieces, mm-hmm. what do we have before that? Before that, we have ourselves. While while we have a, a triple feature of, of songs, we have a double feature of reviews. Sir, sensors have detected another star in the sky. Dear Lord, that's five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Mathematically, it is indeed ten stars. Wow. Yeah, a ten-star review. It's never happened it's, before. It's the first time, folks. I'm so glad we could share it with you. Jagrinner4 from Apple Podcasts in the United States of America writes Playing Catch Up Five stars This is a song-by-song review of all Jethro Tull's studio albums from This Was in 1968 to the present The hosts, Nick McGill and Omen Said are admittedly not experts but rather Tull aficionados. They offer factual content, usually correct, <laughs> analysis, often insightful, and personal opinions, entertaining, about each song. I'm holding my ultimate opinion on the podcast until I've caught up. Just as the hosts played catch up on the music coming to their Tull fandom decades after the music's release, 
I have come late to the podcast. I'm presently six albums in, thick as a brick, whereas Omen and Nick are on the 13th release. Are we really? My god, who let us continue this long? As they have developed some momentum on this significant undertaking, I've noted greater accuracy and depth over their first year. I'll not now call them out on something they may remedy by addenda or later commentary. My critique is likely explained by a generational difference. Yes. I'm a vinyl contemporary, whereas our hosts came to prog rock in the CD age. (laughs) That said, I'm learning things about music I've been listening to since I was a teenager over 50 years ago, and I'm inspired to rethink some of what I've long believed about Anderson's lyrics and the band's music. I'm also looking forward to being exposed to the albums released after my listening and purchase of Tull had waned. The last I purchased, Heavy Horses. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Omen. Talk on. We'll listen on. Thank you, Jagriner. Jagriner? That sounds sounds unpleasant. Thank you so much for writing in. Thank you for your patience and understanding in in the fact that we are not perfect in any way, shape, or form. Not experts. We are not experts. We are constantly being schooled by our listeners, and we greatly appreciate that, and we highly encourage that, that to be continued. But we are aficionados, and we do love it, and and we love it when people write in, and it's so satisfying to hear that you know if we can if we can help you see a Tull song in a slightly new light, mm-hmm. then I feel like our our mission has been accomplished. Agreed, agreed. And on top of that, I I realize it's been a very long time since we dropped our email. So if you do want to send us an email, if you have a complaint. Uh, 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 an addenda yourself if you have info about a certain thing or you just want to give us your your jump start we haven't had any jump starts recently or send us pictures from the tull days oh yeah that's right and fergal sent us some pictures from the isle of sky just today that was we'll get to that yeah it was great but uh see you our email address is moms at fecklessmoms.com it's very simple that's m-o-m-e-s moms you get another gold star, but you only get two per day, Omen. So don't try it again. <laughs> <laughs> I won't try to spell feckless. <laughs> so thank you, Jagriner. We we hope that we can catch up to each other in the present soon. And 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 thank you for your review. Absolutely. And to to round that out, we have one from Asheresque as well. Omen, if you please. Asheresque in the United States of America writes points for erudition is that what I'm saying you just lost all the points that we had erudition points for erudition I am really (laughs) loving talk tall to me exclamation mark the two hosts are uncommonly well spoken and clever and they really bring it in terms of research (laughs) I finally understand one white duck I especially enjoyed the episode on wondering aloud when I was 16 I caught Tull at Nassau Coliseum, and I will never forget when he opened in the raucous hockey arena with that gentle acoustic song mm. and won the crowd right over. Ian Anderson always had a rare talent for intimacy. I don't know if his wife would agree with you. <laughs> and this podcast has a gentle intimacy to match. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Asher It's been so long since I've been called 
gently Gen- gently intimate, intimate. <laughs> yes it's been so long since i've been gently in- intimate nassau coliseum right down the road from my alma mater hofstra literally like a stone's throw away yeah on on the long island on, on the long island hempstead also the uncommonly well spoken part like i'm going back and re-listening i'm binging our episodes for for scientific purposes it's not just to sure, re-listen yes, to them. Yeah. i am i'm i'm noting all of the music that we've ever used and I'm, I'm i'm making sure everybody gets proper accreditation so so that's that that's why i'm doing it but i'm also enjoying it but i also realize boy our vocabulary it it big we talk big omen we we know big word we know big word and we use big word sometimes correctly <laughs> well thank you asheresque thank you jagriner greatly appreciated did you wince at jagriner is that what that was <laughs> I know. <laughs> it is it it's screen names when it comes to screen names it's it is it is only a best guess that's that's the best i can do thank you for the stars you are truly the stars in the constellation of our night sky that's right we got one more thing before we get into the songs for this week i don't think we have okay. i don't think we have a news sting Maybe we'll do find a news sting or something. But we've got I've got an an article from the Reading Chronicle, which dropped on September 10th. The headline is Jethro Tull singer speaks before playing live show in Reading. Not a thrilling grab, I'll tell you. But <laughs> well, Reading Reading where? This is the UK. It's ReadingChronicle.co.uk. So that reminds me of an old of an old Groucho Marx line. Before I speak, I have something important to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Before he flutes, he has something important to say. So the the whole the whole article's like it's a great in- interview with Ian as usual. Uh, he talks about his COPD. He talks about being back in Reading, lockdown, et cetera, et cetera. But the yes. the thing that I want to talk about. Oh, and I will post the I'll post the article in the show notes. But the thing that I want to yeah, talk about idea. is the last question. How would you describe the latest unreleased album? The Zealot Gene. Oh. Quote from Ian. It's a project that began in 2016, and in 2017 we recorded seven backing tracks, completing four of those songs shortly after. But we had another busy year in 2018 as we had released a string quartet album. So I stopped working on the new band album, and given all the tours, I was pretty tied up. I thought I'd get back to it and finish it off, but when COVID came on, I lived in hope for a year that things would calm down and I'd be able to get back together in the studio. But clearly, but that, but clearly, but that clearly wasn't something any of us would be happy about. I decided to finish it on my own and invited the other musicians with contributions they sent to me, recorder, wow, the... Nobody edits anymore. It's it's ridiculous. Recorded in their own homes, so the final five tracks of the album were put together in a slightly less than live setting, but were finished a few months ago. Unfortunately, we have to wait until the release date in January. Wow, that's amazing. I did not realize that they were working on it in that way. I mean, of course it makes sense. Yeah. COVID has really messed us all around. Yeah. And continues to, unfortunately. But also also gone are the years of like, all right, let's bang out an album in two months <laughs> and then tour for it. Yeah, yeah, or 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 a couple of a weeks. A couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bonkers. 
but that's a, a little a little insight, not necessarily into the content or context of of the album itself, but a little info into the making, the behind the scenes. You know, fascinating to hear how it's coming together yeah. in the current in the current context. That's really cool. Really good find, Nick. Right behind the flute, and I have that to thank for. Oh, I forget who said it. Was it J.K.? Was it somebody recommended setting up a Google alert for Jethro Tull? So I get a daily alert of all the Jethro Tull news that drops all over the internet. Most of it is trash, but that was a good all one. All over the internet. All over the internet. It's usually like it one story, one story or two. And it's it's usually the same story over a couple of days. But that one was valuable. That was good. Nice. So, Nick. Omen. What is the first track that we have the pleasure of listening to and subsequently talking to all about today? Well, I was going to give you the option to choose which one you wanted to listen to first. Good. Oh. <laughs> the pressure's on. I mean, I could randomly pick one, but... I, I think we should listen to Lyricon Blues. Okay, I think that's a good idea. Let us listen first to the Lyricon Blues. Psychedelic Lyricon Blues, five minutes and 15 seconds. Amazing. Nick, what do you make of it? First impressions. If that's the blues, that that's the blues that I would like to listen to. You know, that's the blues filtered through Tull, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's mostly yeah. Tull, but there's like the elements of blues in there. I'm good yeah. with that. I'm good with that kind of blues. It's a little bit of a throwback to the kind of mid-70s Tull, where they were really still influenced by the blues. Yeah, yeah, but it's, I mean, it, it definitely has more more of their matured flavor to it, though. You know, there's there's more present at time of, of recording. It's There's more of, of their their maturity in, in the production as opposed to the really messy sloppy blues that they, they released yeah the raw that they started with yeah but it's got a little it's got a little sip a little it's got a little dose of that raw feeling yeah. it's really nice to hear yeah some funk yeah especially as it is as you say tempered by that maturity yeah i think that the the structure is of a blues song but the playing is is kind of a mix of rock and roll jazz prog i mean that kind of that that fusion which is really what we know as prog rock. So yeah. it's, it's a delightful, it's a delightful mix. Yeah. Now, Nick, when I first read the title of this song, mm-hmm. I misread it as Lycorn Blues. And as I'm sure all of our listeners will know, Lycorn is the French word for unicorn. Oh. And I thought, I thought, oh, what a fun title that is. And that would have been perfect paired with Unicorn Battle. Right, exactly. Okay. okay. But then I thought, well, what? Is a lyricon. What in fact is a lyricon, Omen? Well, Nick, do you remember the claghorn? I do. Is this a a baby of the claghorn? Do you remember Mellotron? I knew it. When you texted me yesterday and said, Do you remember the claghorn? I I went back and I listened to this. I was like, what is he getting at? And I have it in my notes. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> somehow 
In some tequila crazed night, the Claghorn and the Mellotron were left unattended Mm -hmm. and made a beautiful bastard child. And that child is the Lyricon. It is an electric wind instrument, the first wind controller to exist. It was invented by Bill Bernardi and co-engineered by Roger Noble with Chuck Greenberg, who was one of the kind of early proponents and performers of the Lyricon. Mm -hmm. It was manufactured in Massachusetts by Computone Inc. in the early 70s. And it essentially, it had the head of an alto saxophone, but instead of it actually producing a sound with the reed, it had a a lip pressure detector. Oh, like a sprung metal sensor sure. in the reed uh-huh. that, that detected lip pressure, which of course in a regular clarinet, I'm sorry, it was a bass a bass clarinet mouthpiece. In a regular clarinet, it that's how you control the tone. Oh sure, okay. And it had a diaphragm which sensed the amount of air that was being pushed into it. It came along, so it's this kind of weird. It looks like a half of a bass flute with a bass saxophone head stuck mm-hmm, onto it mm-hmm. and then it comes along with a a control board which is where all the all the information is read and transformed into sound so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a manually operated synthesizer and it allows a huge amount of control over the tone it has toggles where you can switch between different keys mm-hmm. automatically without having to change your fingering Wow. And it's an incredibly sensitive instrument. Uh-huh. If you go and listen to some of the stuff that's that's on YouTube, just type in Lyricon to YouTube. There's some delightful stuff. Some of the prominent Lyriconists listed on Wikipedia are Roland Kirk. Who's number one on that list, though? I will get there. Okay. <laughs> Roland Kirk, Yusuf Latif, Kenny G. Kenny G. You may have heard of yeah. him. Yep. A bunch of other people. And the first person listed, although probably it's because of alphabetical order, is Ian Anderson. Oh, I think it is actually. Oh, no, because Michael Urbaniak is above Youssef Latif. So it's not. It's not. I wonder I wonder why that was ordered. Yeah, it's almost in alphabetical order. Any rate, it's a, it's a beautiful, weird instrument. And I am curious to know what other tracks it may have already been on that escaped our detection. Know, right? Or it will be on that we'll have to listen out for. Yeah, it's got this like psychedelic mesmeric sound that tied with all of the the kind of the sweeping background uh, of the, the 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 rest of the band it just it creates this bizarre like foggy headspace for me it's it's very think, unnatural yeah. and not in a bad way but it's very unnatural there's something just a little just different enough about mm-hmm. it that makes you kind of uh, get into yeah. a funky yeah a funky funk. And I love the way that the Lyricon and Martin's guitar kind of serpentine mm-hmm. along with each other yeah. and, and create this, what did you say, mesmeric feeling? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I posit a theory, though, uh, as to why it is over five minutes long. 
I think <laughs> why is that? I think I think they rented it for a day, and Ian really wanted to get the most <laughs> out of the Lyricon before he had to return it. That could, he didn't own it. He didn't. No, no, he didn't. He, he only used it once. And wasn't there another song? Oh, it feels like it's a while ago. I feel like there was another song that used just a single, like an instrument for for one instance, and we never heard it again. And and we kind of placed it in this category of like, oh well. Let's do this because we can, not because we want to like really pursue it, you know? Right, right, right. Well, that's, and that's what I'm so curious about. How many other instances of the Lyricon are, do we have? Yeah. Did it, did it sneak under? Now is, is the Lyricon, it is, it is clearly prominent in this song, but is it, is there, to me, it's taking the place of keyboard. I think right? it's taking the place of both the keyboard and the flute. Oh, and the flute, obviously, yeah. Yeah, but, like, is there no keyboard in this and it's all just Lyricon? Like, it's very difficult to tell. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. And you can, and especially as the keyboard is going more toward the synth sound at this mm-hmm. time, it's... Yeah, of course. You could, be, you could be forgiven for mistaking one for the other. I mean... Yeah, this is one of those relatively rare instances of, of Jethro Tull songs where you can't really always pick out individual pieces and individual instruments. It's, it's fairly muddy. This song I find not that that's a bad thing, but it's just, this is one of those times. I would say smoky. Yeah. Hazy. There's a haze. And part of that is caused by the Lyricon control board catching on fire. He was rocking so hard. So hard. So hard. They told him not to, but he did it anyway. <laughs> Don't take it past 10. <laughs> no, I was going to say seriously that the part of it is caused by the fact that you can, with a foot pedal, switch between octaves mm-hmm. on the Lyricon. Mm-hmm. So you can take it up to that flute yep, yep. space and you can drop it down to, you know, to octaves that are only naturally be you know able to be played by the bass or the piano so it's yeah it's fabulous i i'm so curious to learn more about this instrument i'm pretty sure they are not they're no longer manufactured i think there may be some kind of descendants of them that still exist but it's it was pre-midi oh cool okay so it's yeah that was i mean back in in what 80 78 roughly or yeah. so, yeah. And Computone went out of business in 1980. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a cool instrument. It's a cool sound. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Nick... Yeah. What is the next song to which we have the pleasure of listening? Let's do my entire high school career and listen to A Single Man. (laughs) That's not the way I remember it, but yes, let's play it.
half as long. Half as long and twice as many notes. <laughs> twice as good, I would say. Well, that's subjective. <laughs> what is your impression? First, what, what images occur to your mind when, you, when this song plays into your ears? Nick? Particularly when it starts, it, that John's piano is just, it's so haunting. It's so good. And then it rips yes. into this like really kind of cinematic. I, I, it feels like it ought to be on like a movie soundtrack. This feels like a montage song to me for some reason. Yeah, like an like, 80s like montage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm not not quite sure why. I, I don't know. There there must be some thematic elements that they share that I'm just not aware of. But it, it feels it's it's got such an 80s like epic sound to it. You know, we're we're training or yeah, we're we're, totally. we're preparing for the bank heist or, or something. It's it's silly, we're but getting it's ready fun. to run the Spartan half. Yeah, there you go. You should have just listened to that on on loop for the. Just the seven just once. Hours. Oh, that's, that's all, I that's all you needed. needed. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to it once. I'd be perfectly in shape. I I love John's piano at the beginning. Oh, I am so good. in love with the weird intro where you hear the <laughs> the tape mm-hmm. like being too fast and then being slowed down, and then you hear you hear John Evans say, "This is John. I'm starting." No, it's soon. it's all right. This is me, John. I'm starting soon. <laughs> I love that he it's doesn't, so instead of giving a count in, instead of like, you know, one, he's, two, three, I mean, like, I'll, I'll start here in a moment. Just think of all the pictures of John, though, you know, like that, that, that no, matches with his personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, this is me, John. I'm starting soon. I, and it does feel like, you know, you've used this image a number of times of the lone musician on, mm-hmm. in the spotlight mm-hmm. on the stage. And it really feels like that. It almost feels like, it almost feels like the band found him playing this this incredible semi-classical riff. Yeah. And then it was like, "Oh, we should start playing as well." Well, yeah, it's it's that perfect instance and I'm I'm I know we've heard it in other songs. I can't think off the top of my head and I know we've seen it in concert where it's either the opener of the first act or the second act where one person comes out and starts playing. And it's one of those perfect pieces where everybody slowly filters in and starts playing uh, on uh, top of everything. It's very theatrical. Yeah. It's very, it's, you know, it's not, it's probably been done so many times that it's almost a cliche now, but it it works. There's something wonderful about it. It really does. Yeah. As our writer inner said, said, you know, Ian, in a hockey stadium on Long Island, coming out with an acoustic guitar and winning everyone yeah. over just totally by himself. Opening with wondering aloud. Yeah. Just insane. Yeah. And then when the rest of the band kicks in, you lose your freaking mind. Yeah, it, particularly it, in general, but also this song. I mean, the piano rips, the bass is amazing, the drums we've got. This is this is some quintessential Martin in this song. It's such yes. Martin guitar, and it's so good. It's primo 80s Martin guitar. You just want to chop that guitar riff out into little lines on a mirror and... <laughs> Get it right up your nose. I was going to say I want to slather it on toast, but that, that works too. Hey, whatever works. Yeah, whatever, however you want to ingest that. that whatever, wh- whatever breakfast looks like. Why you. Why are you putting butter up your nose, Omen? That's my concern. <laughs> <laughs> I have very dry sinuses. We have 
two tracks or two instances of both flute and electric in here. Yes. And they, they cram so much. I mean, the first half of the song is just that gorgeous piano. So the second half, uh, a minute 15 or so, is is this, this cacophony. And it's so good. It's so, so good. There's something I can't quite figure out, and that's the second tune that that John Evan mm. plays. He does that... That's from a, a classical piece of music. You know, that's that's oh, directly ripped off. Yeah. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember what it is. Well, s- speaking of tune, like, I love the tune of this song. Like, it's really good. That da, 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 da. And it feels like, like Martin's part, actually, feels like it's playing off of something. It- I want to say it's like a vocal part of a previous Tull song, but I cannot, for the life of me, place it. It's very catchy. Yeah. It's very, very catchy. Yeah. And and it being an instrumental, he is playing that, that lyric part, which is a nice change because normally it's Ian playing the lyric part on the flute. But this is a potent song. I really, I really do enjoy this one. Now, the bass could conceivably be played either by Glasscock or by Ian. Sure. Because this was presumably recorded around the time that they were gearing up for Stormwatch. And so, you know, we don't know, was it recorded after Mm -hmm. John was dismissed for health reasons, you know, which we'll talk about in the next album. Yeah. But either way, I love the slide. Yeah. My inclination is to say that it is John... I know. I don't think. I think Ian is pretty elementary on the guitar. Um, he does. He does have a quote. I think I have it for the Stormwatch pieces. But he does have a quote. It's like every guitar player thinks he can pick up a bass, but really they're just playing a, a simple bass line. Whereas something like what John can do is is above oh, and beyond. It's extraordinary. Yeah, and that's why I do think it's probably John in this case. Exactly. I could be wrong, but it does seem a little bit more uh, masterful. But I love when he does. And it slides all the way down to hell. Yeah, down down to hell with John. I'd I'll go. I'll go with John. Yeah, I would go. I would ride. I would ride the base elevator. It's a it's a long trip. There's no air conditioning. Only goes one way, and it only goes one way. Yeah, I think it's in four four. After the after the rest of the band comes in. Yeah, once you have to pick a time signature so everybody can follow along. You know, not that kind of like like wavy up and down loosey goosey that John does on the piano. God, he is good. He is so good on the piano. He really is. I had a friend in Paris who was an amazing musician. He was a his primary instrument was the marimba, but he played anything with keys. Hmm. You know, cool. very, very well. Yeah. And at various points, we were rehearsing music for the shows that we were creating at school and he always would crack me up because he was he's one of these people who's so so he's he was such a musician he was so facile with everything that he often wouldn't account for the fact that other people were you know just sort of happened to play an instrument yeah right and so whereas most people would count in one two three four or maybe two three four 
he would literally go four. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's everyone else would sort of oh god, <laughs> try to catch up. The beat is only in your head. No one else can yeah, tell. That's <laughs> true. So I feel like John Evan is the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I go. Soon. At some point. Yeah. <laughs> Let's ride in on our gleaming horses into unicorn battle. Oh, let's do. (laughs) Woo, that's a spicy unicorn meatball. I I almost caught it. I almost caught the unicorn. You can try to ride the unicorn, but you'll never you'll you'll never land safely. That's what they say. Uh, once you once you ride a unicorn, you're always chasing that feeling for the rest of your life. A, and the closest you can get is an abarth, but it's it's just it's not quite it. It's, <laughs> the horn keeps falling off. <laughs> Nick, impressions about this song. This is an epic oral feast. It is and and an, an epic electric oral feast. It's it's something. I see I see Gandalf riding in on on Halifax or whatever his horse is. Yeah. Starfax. I, I don't remember the name. Hal- Halifax? <laughs> Shadowfax. Shadowfax. I knew that there was a fax in there somewhere. <laughs> Halifax. I see Gandalf riding to Halifax and <laughs> on his realizing there's nothing to do on with his there. unicorn. Yeah, it's a fun song. It's a really, really rocking, ripping, fun song. It feels, it feels epically. It, it feels appropriately named. I would say. Tell me more about that. I don't know. I mean, and maybe it's just because it's named Unicorn Battle, so I'm seeing this. But it feels, it feels kind of like epic metal almost. I picture an orc battle going on while while people are riding in on unicorns and limbs are being hacked off with glaives and things, you know? There is something just gloriously 80s about this. Yeah. I feel, I feel like this is the kind of, like even just the song title is the kind of thing that Spinal Tap was making fun of. Sure. Yeah. And and this this itself may be a little tongue in cheek, maybe taking the piss out of some something like Led Zeppelin, you know? Because they were they Absolutely. were deep into this. Yeah. Or it could be a genuine tribute to the ferocious and pure nobility of the unicorn. It's possible. And the and the fact is it kind of it works on all of those levels simultaneously. It does. And I think that's what's so fun about it is that like you can listen to this and guiltlessly imagine yourself as a unicorn in battle <laughs> or riding a unicorn into battle. Yeah. While still kind of acknowledging that it's ridiculous. Yeah. It really, it really, really is. And it, I think it may, might be one of those instances where it, you get to pick what it is. You know, it's one of those those instances where, where Ian left it so ambiguous that if you asked him in in 82 he would have said oh yeah it's 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 an embracing of how badass a unicorn is and if you ask him now it's like oh yeah we were just taking the piss out of zeppelin like he left him right. all of himself all of that room and who knows you know what did the tune come first and then later on they were like oh we need a song for track number 18 on this on this list 
unicorn battle. Yeah, or or like they punched it out. It never landed on anything, but they needed to put a name on there just because it's on the tape. So someone just like pulled it out of nowhere. Or is it, I mean, and equally plausible is that it is a tribute to the national animal of Scotland. There you go. I forgot about that. Yeah. There's nothing terribly Scottish sounding about this song, but uh, I did hear a little haggis right at the very end, so it's possible. (laughs) I think that the opening riff is so unusual. The tune of it, going up those those half steps at the Mm. end. It creates kind of a sense of suspension and suspense and and strangeness well yeah it's the it's the anticipation right before going into battle right before the unicorn right before the unicorn i always anticipate a unicorn i i never get it right but i anticipate the, the anticipation is the best it, part. Oh, oh baby can we talk about the mandolin in here yeah, oh, so there's, yeah there's the mandolin just coming in for some little tremolos here and there oh it's it's pretty prominent in the la in like the the three quarters mark and then it falls away again. There's a there's a part where it's super super tre- okay, tremolo-y. Sure. But then it it does fade back. It's very light in there, comes up for its its kind of solo spot, and then it falls away again. But boy, does it contrast really well with Martin's dun 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 yes. dun dun. There's some other fun musical elements. Mm-hmm. The organ, you know, when it comes in, kind of doing double time to mm. what everything else is doing, and then later on does those really quick arpeggios. The ticket 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 But but it's it just does it briefly. It almost I almost expect it to last longer, like the mandolin when it comes right, in. and then it goes away, and I'm like, was that the unicorn? Was that the, the, that's any piece in this is the unicorn. The unicorn is what you want it to be. It's it's like that old legend. There are two unicorns in you, fighting. Which one do you feed the grass to? <laughs> the you know? the white one or the black one? You can cut all of this out. This is total nonsense. That keyboard, I'm glad you brought up that keyboard. I don't know if it's just like the particular setting that the keyboard's on or something, but if there, you know, even if there, even if there was flute, if you played this for me without my knowing it, I would be just as likely to say this was Kansas instead of Tull. They're that interesting. It's there. All three of these songs, if, if I didn't know they were tall, a single man between Martin's like really prominent guitar and and Ian's flute, like I could probably pick that as tall. But it between between the Lyricon Blues and Unicorn Battle, I I I think I'd be hard pressed to, to guess this was tall. Speaking of Scotland and the national animal being the unicorn, let's uh, let's talk about that. Okay, what do you want to talk about it? Well, Nick the. The concept of the unicorn goes back to ancient times. The Greek spoke about it. The Bible mentions a unicorn, depending on what translation you look at. The there was there were descriptions of 
a unicorn that existed in India, which may have been the Indian rhino, of course. Oh, sure. Yeah. Can we just do a very super quick etymology? Unicorn obviously means one corn. Yes, one one just an yes, ear of corn. Corn, <laughs> corn means yes. <laughs> in mythology, in Western Europe, the unicorn came to represent purity mm-hmm. and masculine fierceness. Mm-hmm. It was said that that cups made of their horn, which were probably actually made of narwhal horns, yep. were if you drank from them, you'd be impervious to poison. Good luck with that. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of deaths. And in heraldry, the unicorn started to be used as the royal coat of arms for Scotland around the mid-1500s. The fun thing is that the Union of the Crowns in 1603, when King James VI of Scotland became also King James I of England, he replaced one of the unicorns with a lion. Mm, Yeah. In an effort to display unity between the two countries. But of course, mythologically, unicorns and lions have always been enemies. Oh, snap. Nice try, Jim. Nice try. That's unicorns. A unicorn recommendation. If you can get your hands on... The book, The Last Unicorn. I grew up with the movie, the Rankin-Bass movie, The Last Unicorn. But if you can get yourself the novel, The Last Unicorn, it's a crazy quick read, a novel by Peter S. Beagle. It is a very quick read. It is very good, surprisingly good. I'm reading it to Raven, and and it is it is delightful. Contrary to my belief, it's not from like the 20s or something like it's the guy the author peter s beagle is still alive but it's oh my yeah but he 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 he's written a lot of sci uh sci-fi stuff early sci-fi stuff and um it is a it is a really pleasant read his 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 grasp of the language is very unique very poetic but also there's just such a uniqueness to it that if if you if you got an afternoon to sit around and and sit on your sun porch while your cat sunbathes on your lap and and read this like I I highly recommend it. It's a great book. Yeah. Great great book. If you ever get the chance to see the the amazing tapestry series Le Dame et la Licorne in the uh, Museum of the Middle Ages in Paris, mm. it is also super super fun. That um, translates. And he doesn't love tapestries. That translates to that damn unicorn, right? That damn unicorn. <laughs> it it shows the unicorn in, I believe, seven different tapestries, mm-hmm. each one representing one of the five senses, hmm. and then some other ones, and then and then th- those other two that that we just. And then they were like, "Hey, keep going. Seven seven's important. Let's add a color to the rainbow. Let's add a couple extra tapestries. You know, couldn't hurt anything." Who, who knows? Who knows? Omen of the three. That we just listened to. The Lyricon Blues, A Single Man, Unicorn Battle. What did you like best? Which one? 
Like what, which one spoke to you the most? I mean, I, I know we, we don't have time frames, We don't know context or anything, but just of the three that we just heard, which one would you go back to first? I really like Lyricon Blues. It's, I'm, really? I really enjoy it. What about, what about you? <laughs> I would say a single man is, is my number one because of that piano and just the, the tune itself mm. is just solid, just super ripping. And then I'd put Unicorn Battle next because that mandolin is is super lovely, and but Lyricon is just a little too plotty to me. You know, it, it's it it kind of trudges. So Nick, this is something we haven't done in a in a while. Let's take your favorite of these three, a single man. Uh-huh. If a single man was a single man, <laughs> an outfit. Oh, what kind of an outfit would it be? Oh gosh, it would be something. That you would wear to like the opera or the ballet. Okay. Because of that first half. But there would be something a little like you would have like a dangly earring in your right ear or or like oh. a, a belt with like a lightning bolt buckle or something. Something like slightly metal, something slightly badass, but but a little outdated badass. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of Timothy Chalamet trying to be David Bowie going to uh, an award ceremony. There it is, perfect, absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah, for Lyricon Blues. Yes, if it were a oh gosh, if it were an an after dinner dessert, like just a little light something sweet, what would it be? <sighs> nothing, nothing too too heavy. No, no, I know. I know exactly what it would be. What it would be. A hookah full of opium. <laughs> ride, ride the dragon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just a little, just a little something after dinner. Just a, just a snoot of the poppy just to put you right to bed. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> have you ever, I, I can't I've, imagine. I've not yes, done opium, no. Have you ever smelled opium? No. It smells delicious. Does it really? It smells amazing. How? How and when and why have you smelled opium omen? My first room at Sarah Lawrence was part of a suite. So I had the double and then there was a triple. Say no more. <laughs> the, tri- the triple was known campus-wide as the opium den. How do you get opium anywhere? Like, how do you get opium? You just buy it. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I never, I never partook, um, but it was... There was one weekend in particular where someone had an, an impressive quantity of opium and was, you know, going through it, perfuming the hallways with it. <laughs> but I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't know how to buy pot or like, or like over-the-counter probably, allergy medicine. So I, I <laughs> you probably wouldn't know if you had bought opium. You could have bought opium at some point in the past, and you would never. Have What's known. it look like? I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was taffy. <laughs> it tasted. I thought those were great nuts. It tasted great. And I don't remember the next 24 hours. <laughs> Nick, anything else on these wonderful instrumental tracks? That is it for me. That's it for me. What are we doing? Oh, we're, we're do you know what we're doing next week? Probably not. It's another unheard of for you. I, I don't know. It is a town in England. Oh, yeah. I've heard tell yeah. of it, but I have not listened to it. I'm excited. It's a f- it's a fun little song. It's a fun little ditty. Be sure to come back next week. I'm talking to you. Oh, I will. Yeah, yeah, you, Omen. Please come back next week. <laughs> Until next week, 
I don't want just a single star. I want five stars in the form of a rating. And if you could throw a review on there as well, please. Ride your unicorn into battle. <laughs> Ride your unicorn into battle and wear the tabard of Talk Tell to Me, which can be purchased so good. Uh, on on T Public, our link is in the show notes. If you are feeling like a single man, or woman, or non-binary person, you can find communion mm. and companionship in our Discord chat, available through our Patreon page for a measly five dollars a month. That's it. That's all we ask. And until next week, I am the cloth used to shine the horn of the unicorn. Nick McGill. I am the bastardized wooden electronic <sighs> out-of-date instrument that is Omen Said. We are two single men. Our wives have gone to bed. The feckless moms. And this is the exploding across the universe unicorn. Talk tall to me. Silas, saddle me my fastest steed I must away. Yes, Master. Yes, yes, Master. Master Anderson. Yes, Master Anderson. Let me fetch you your your, your horse. Yes. Silas, Silas. What's that that new horse over there? What's the... Turn it around for me. Turn it around. Yes. Here we go. Yeah. Yes, sir. So this is this is a new one. Just just came in. I I've been feeding it hay and and brushing its beautiful hair and and it, dear it, God, Silas, what is that sticking out of its skull? I'm I'm not quite sure, uh, Master Anderson. I, be, I believe I believe it uh, it is a shining instrument. <laughs> what sort of a terrible accident has occurred here? Why is there a horse with a a, a silver flute sticking out of its head? What is this thing? I did hear a crash. Uh, uh, the flute stall just just a day ago, and I, I believe the horse ran full headlong into it, Master. Is it is it in pain? Is it going to die? What? It does not. It looks rather happy. It does not seem to be. It, it does play a, a, a quite a lovely tune when I feed it apples. Can it can it still run? I mean, what it, what the hell am I looking at, Silas? It, it can. It it, it it skewered the baker's boy just this morn. Well, to be frank, to be frank, he had it coming. <laughs> he's he was a dick, <laughs> and he still is. And now he's dead. No. All right, Silas, put my blanket on this this flute-headed horse creature, and I will ride off to the opium dens, as is my nightly wont. You will, you will, uh, you'll take the flute acorn out th- this evening. Yes, I think so. All the all the opium boys will be. Highly impressed by it. It may even improve my luck, if you know what I mean, Silas. Oh, 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 that I do. That I do. Please, please, sir, you, you, you promised me the, the last time you came back from the, the opium den, you would follow the dragon to the podcast land and, and maybe tell me one day of the, 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 the feckless moans and, the, and talk hey! told to me. That's right. That's right, Silas. As I told you on your 16th birthday all those minutes ago, you know... The duck told to me is a proud member of the Fugglers Moons. <laughs> <laughs>